see how you actually react to things in real life as they happen, as well as reflect on how you react to things a year ago, two years ago, compared to how you react to them now to kind of see if there's any evidence that you're able to change your reaction to things. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about their pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E, you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today we're back for another edition of the Actively Passive Investing Show with Travis Watts. Travis, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thrilled to be here as always. Thanks for joining me. Looking forward to our conversation today. So we are going to talk about what type of investor you are. And this will be based off of a blog post that Travis wrote. And the three things we're going to talk about is first figuring out what the two types of passive investors are, what the characteristics are of each. And then based off of that, we're going to talk about the second part, which is becoming self-aware of your personality to see if you're more conducive for one or the other. 
And then lastly, we're going to also talk about understanding your risk tolerance. So all about self-awareness, all about understanding based off of who you are, if passive investing or active investing is ideal for you. So I'm going to let Travis take over for each of these sections. So first, Travis, tell us about the differences between the passive and the active investor. Sure. Well, first of all, I'm very excited about this particular topic because the name of our show, the Actively Passive Show. So we are talking about the active side, the passive side. So trying to reel it in and bring it home. I know sometimes we get on these rants and tangents of celery juice and other topics, but (laughs) this one's spot on. So I think I titled this, What Type of Investor Are You? A Quick Guide to Self-Awareness which I'm a big advocate for. I think the more self-aware you are, the better decisions you'll make and the more in line with your goals you're going to be. So that was really the intent is to help people uncover what may be right for them. So to your point with that, yeah, the first section that I point out is painting the picture. And of course I go into much more detail on the blog, but I'm just kind of bullet pointing and recapping here. Active investor mindset, versus passive investor mindset and a few things you might pick up on that resonate with you. So as I go through this really quickly, just think to yourself which one resonates most with me and why that might be. So I'll start with the passive investor. I've just got a few bullet points. And of course, these are generalizations. Everybody's unique, different. You may be a combination of both. And in fact, to be quite honest, most people are a combination of both active and passive. So I'm the extremist being was full active, now full passive, but you don't have to be that. So the passive investor often lacks the time to frequently monitor their investments. So I say this all the time through podcasts, the doctor, the dentist, the lawyer, the attorney, and in my situation years ago, the oil field worker. Career focused, yes, I was doing the active stuff, but man, it became very difficult to find the time to do that when I was so career focused. Number two would be enjoys reading financial news. So you do have a vested interest in investing. Being passive doesn't mean you tune out and you look the other direction and you just put money in a 401k and you're done. That would not fall into these categories the way I've laid them out. The next thing would be likes to own a little bit of a lot. Hence the private placements, the syndications, being a one or 2% owner perhaps in an apartment complex. Also, you can relate this to stocks. This may be more of the index fund investor that likes to own just a little bit of all the companies and not necessarily cherry pick and handpick their favorites. So at the end of the day, and to that point relating to stocks, seeks to match, but not necessarily beat the market. You want to be in the game, you want to be participating, but your real goal isn't to say, I'm just going to annihilate the competition out there. I'm the best at the best. It's just to be in the game at the end of the day. Now, let's switch over to the active mindset relating to real estate and stocks and any other asset class. So the first thing would be likes to create their own unique strategy. So my first property when I was active full-time was a unique strategy. I had found this undervalued two-bed, one-bath. I thought, I'm going to move in as an (laughs) owner-occupant. I'm going to rent out the spare bedroom. I'm going to make it fully furnished. I'm going to custom handpick out all these things I can find frugally on Craigslist. So I was kind of custom designing my own strategy that I felt was competitive among what I was seeing out there online and among the competition. 
Number two, doesn't necessarily value diversification. And what I mean by that is often the philosophy or the mentality of the active investor is put all your eggs in one basket and watch the basket closely. I don't know who coined that term or that quote, but that kind of resonates here. So you're probably in terms of real estate doing active deals in your own local market, so to speak, not necessarily doing them across the U.S., Number three, seeks control over his or her investments. You like to be in control. You like to call the shots. You like to make the decisions. That's a huge component to being active. I enjoyed it for a while. (laughs) You may have, as I pointed out, a unique skill or an upper hand in the marketplace. Whatever that may be, you may be self-reflecting and thinking, I can do this better than what I see other people doing it as. And last but not least, you essentially seek to beat the market not just participate in it. You think if I do this myself, I'll have higher returns. I'll have more reward coming from it because I have that unique ability to get out there and do it myself. So I'll pause there to not get too long winded, but that's kind of the active and the passive mindsets and the difference between the two. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I'm thinking back to the book working on right now. I'm not sure exactly the title will be, but it'd be focused for passive investors. And that's it's essentially exactly how we in the book define the differences between the two. So the categories for me where you mentioned control, right? So the control is going to be different. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but the risk is going to be different. The time commitment and feasibility is going to be different. And then the returns, like how much money you're going to make is going to be different between the two. And so I think those are the four main categories that will show you what the difference are between these two. Okay, so now we know what each of these are. The next step is to look at the different personality types or to become aware of our own personalities to see which one we are naturally a better fit for. Exactly. So as I was writing this, it felt a little too bullet pointed and analytical for me. So this is kind of the portion of my article or blog that I go into a little bit of story mode. And this is the self-reflection piece more than anything. The whole blog's about self-reflection, but this is thinking back to, for example, your childhood. Where did you develop your beliefs around money and around finance? And how do you respond to financial situations? let's say that you own a bunch of stocks and then you tune into your phone tomorrow and they're down 30%. What does that mean for you? There's folks on every side of the spectrum, people who could say, ah, markets go up and down, whatever. And people that freak out and say, I got to sell everything. I got to get out of this market. I'm panicking. So it's great to be able to be self-aware of that because you may be in the wrong asset class altogether. You may be using the wrong strategy altogether. So it's thinking through, and I point out a few examples, things to think through there on the personality. And for me, on a side note, I was raised by two very frugal parents. So I've always found a lot of confidence and peace and the ability to save and to buy things below value. So that sets really well with me. And as I was in the stock market at one time with a lot of my portfolio, I learned pretty quickly, I can't stomach the ups and downs. It was so unsettling. I couldn't sleep at night. I wasn't in panic mode where I was about to sell everything, but I was uncomfortable. It's like this rain cloud over your head all the time. And I got addicted to staring at my computer or phone, whatever it was, and I just couldn't not do it. If it were down 30%, I had to know the next day, was it up or did it fall more? 
if it fell more, I'm really sweating bullets. And if it went up, of course, it wasn't enough, right? It needs to go up more. So I got to tune in the next day now and see if it went up even more. And it was a waste of my time, number one, and it was taking a toll on me. So I found that private real estate, whether that means active, my own single family homes that I used to own, or private placements, that you don't know the value for a number of years unless you're constantly getting appraisals done. And that set well with me. I love the set and forget for a period of time, not set and forget for life, but for maybe three to five years. We'll check in on it at that point. We'll make a decision as needed. So that's kind of what that section is, is just self-reflecting on yourself and how you handle finances and investing. Yeah, this is a very important section, I think. We could definitely talk about this for a full episode. But from my personal experiences, I can definitely relate with you when it comes to that cloud over your head. Because as a lot of best of your listeners know, when I bought all those fourplexes a few years ago, and I was self-managing them, and ever since I bought my first duplex, whenever I owned a rental property, it's really, I wouldn't say I was constantly thinking about it. But whenever I thought about it, it was never a positive feeling. I always had my phone. Whenever my phone rang, I'm like, is this a tenant telling me the house burnt down? <laughs> At first, I thought that it was going to go away. I'd get used to it. And I kind of did in a sense, but it never fully went away. So kind of as you said, with these stocks versus some sort of passive investment, when you're the active person who's managing it, you have the ability to, as you mentioned, figure out where it's at every single day, whereas for passive investments, it's you invest and then you're getting monthly updates or you don't even have access to getting the value and you don't control the entire asset. So the way you think about it is definitely different. And then and the getting used to it part, because kind of two different ways to look at it. It's either, okay, so I'm self-aware that I react negatively to ups and downs of the market, or for my case, I react negatively to my phone ringing whenever I think as a tenant. So on the one hand, should I figure out why I feel that way and try to get over it? Or do I just try to take advantage of by nature how I naturally am in order to find the best investment? And so I think you can kind of go either way. I've talked to people on the show who were a bundle of nerves when they first started investing. And then now they at least say that they're not a bundle of nerves. Whereas other people say that I started this one type of investment and I didn't like it. It made me too anxious. So I did something else that I was more comfortable with. So kind of just being self-aware also of your ability to potentially change the way you react to these things. And I think Travis said it best, which is just see how you actually react to things in real life as they happen, as well as reflect on how you react to things a year ago, two years ago, compared to how you react to them now to kind of see if there's any evidence that you're able to change your reaction to things. 100%. And I was exactly like you when I self-managed real estate. I started very confidently because when you first start, you don't have problems, hopefully. <laughs> I didn't for a while. And it wasn't until that rent was skipped or a tenant bailed and fled town or these things started happening. A property was damaged. Then I started freaking out a little bit. And then to your point, every time I would get a tenant phone call, it's what problem is it now? Are they going to tell me they're bankrupt, they're moving out, the house burned down, whatever. And here's a key point to specifically being a general partner or doing your own active syndications. This is a critical self-reflection and conversation to have with yourself. Imagine 
if you're a bit paranoid about it or always thinking the worst or it keeps you up at night, imagine that not just on an individual level, but imagine handling 100 or 200 people's money and now having to report to them and having investor emails come in all the time and having to do reports. And sometimes maybe that's not always roses and rainbows because <laughs> I get asked all the time on podcasts, are you meaning me, am I going to be a general partner? Am I going to start doing my own syndications? The answer is absolutely not. No, I won't. And it's for a lot of reasons, but liability and time commitment and, and whatnot. Now, I'm not bashing it because obviously there's great GPs. We need them. That's the yin and the yang, the LP, the GP. So all I'm getting at with this, I'm not saying that active is right or wrong or passive is right or wrong. It's being able to identify your strengths, weaknesses, how you respond to things, and just choosing the right strategy, the right asset classes. And this is a great first step. And that's why I made this blog. So to that point, our last section or the last section I wrote about was risk tolerance. It's a huge conversation that I don't think is happening often enough. So I tried to categorize it in a different way than most people do or what I've seen. And I took four different types of investors and how they respond to kind of piggyback on the last section. So you have the cautious investor, you have the systematic investor, you have the spontaneous investor, and then you have the individualist. So I'll kind of go into, again, much more detail in the blog, but I'm going to bullet point it out. So a cautious investor is very sensitive to losses. So they may be better suited in things of CDs or bonds or annuities, things that aren't going to fluctuate, go up and down. They're looking for more of that certainty around their income or their retirement. Cautious, right? Makes sense. Systematic is somebody who basically has built a system or adopted a system to go through the investing process. So it's most often based off facts, research, and a particular philosophy that you might subscribe to. And it's just simply a system. It's just rinse and repeat every time you filter it through your criteria. And there you go. That's how you invest. Very robotic, rightfully so. <laughs> and then you've got the spontaneous investor. And there's a lot of folks like this that, let's say, to use the stock example. So they log into cnbc.com. They see that Tesla's up or down, and then it's buy, 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 and sell, sell, sell. And, oh, I just heard that Bitcoin's going up tomorrow. I might as well dump 10000 there. And they're just always kind of on a whim. They're trying to catch the wave. And there isn't really a philosophy or a systemized approach. It's just more on a whim. You're walking through a neighborhood. You see a foreclosure. Maybe I'll buy that. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's a good deal. <laughs> you know, there's, there's not a whole lot to back that stuff up, but it can be fun. They like to keep things fresh and new. Again, rightfully so. And then you have the individualist, which you could relate that to an independent in political terms. As Robert Kiyosaki always talks about, there's three sides to a coin, left, right, and the edge. So these are the folks that tend to step on the edge of the coin and look over both sides, see the case for, yes, the stock market's going to go up. And then this side, nope, the stock market's going to go down. And then they're trying to be as unbiased as possible and make a decision based on what they believe. That's kind of the approach there. So yeah, those are four common types. Again, you may not be 100% in any category, but in general, that's more or less how it goes. And the investors I speak with, that's what I see coming up over and over again. So any thoughts? Yeah. Yes. On this spectrum, it's like on the one end, you've got the spontaneous, who's the one who, I don't want to say suffers in a sense from shiny object syndrome. 
that's kind of what the term people use. And on the other hand, you've got maybe the cautious or the systematic who potentially falls into analysis by paralysis. Because those are kind of two terms that I'll always hear people talk about on the interviews that I do. So again, I think the purpose of understanding and talking about these different categories of risks is to understand which one you are and not necessarily no longer be spontaneous or no longer be systematic because there's nothing, as you mentioned, inherently wrong with being that way. It's just if you take it overboard and you fall into analysis paralysis or you are so spontaneous that you never get deep enough into a certain investment type that you don't learn enough about it and you kind of bounce to the next one or always at, at the surface level. So it's kind of understanding which one you are. I was trying to think of which one I am. It's really hard when you do these interviews because everyone has a different investment strategy. Like, oh, that is amazing. I'm doing that. And then you touch someone else like, oh, that's also cool. I'm doing that one. And you realize that you can be successful doing any type of active investment, any type of passive investment. And people have been successful doing this forever. It just depends on personality type. If certain ones are better for other people, I think that's kind of the entire point of this entire post is to say, hey, here are the different types of personalities. Here are the different types of risk. And then based off of that, you can figure out which of these you fit into best or maybe a spectrum of one you fit into. And then something else I wanted to quickly mention too, when it comes to things like risk. So there's going to be risk when you're comparing across active and passive, but there's also going to be risk within the passive. So just taking apartment syndications, for example, or if you're going to passively invest in apartment syndications, it's not like their risk level is the exact same for every single type of apartment syndication. You've got developments, you've got ones that are completely distressed, you've got ones that are turnkey, you've got ones that are value add. And so those also come with different levels of risk. And so that's why it's important to understand each of those as well as your risk tolerance level. So you know which one of those apartment syndications or which type of stock is going to be more conducive with your personality. Yep, 100%. Couldn't agree more. In that example, LPGP, LPs have an upper hand on one hand with risk because they're limited to what they've put into the deal. That would be their max loss, so to speak. But from the GP side, you have more liability, but you're hopefully making more than an LP would. So you're kind of limiting your risk there too. So it takes some research and time. This blog wasn't to get into the weeds, but I think it's so important because I had to learn this lesson firsthand. I've shared this story before, maybe not here on this podcast, but I was in the middle of doing a fix and flip years ago when I was fully active. And it was this epiphany, this self-awareness moment, this light bulb moment. As I'm standing in the middle of this vacant place, I had to pull in my mom to help me (laughs) with something I was doing. And she yells downstairs. She says, hey, hand me the electric drill. And I thought, I don't own an electric drill. And then it was just that moment, like, mm-hmm. should I be doing this? Am I in over my head right now? And it was embarrassing. It was humiliating. And that's where a kind of my self-reflection started. And it wasn't too long after that, maybe a, a couple of years that I made the full transition out of doing that active stuff. And again, nothing wrong with it. It was just me personally, not very handy. I didn't really have the competitive edge. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't have mentors, coaches. I lacked so much that I wasn't a key player in that space. And that's something to Mm -hmm. recognize. So I wrap this whole blog and article up, and I guess we can wrap up this show on the same topic, which is at the end of the day, what's the takeaway here that's practical to get started? That doesn't necessarily mean get started investing, although you could perceive it that way. 
but get started on your self-awareness. Write down your strengths and weaknesses. Write down some examples of how you would respond to extreme situations. I made a lot of money. I lost a lot of money. I invested in a deal that did nothing for five years. Just think through this stuff and it'll help you identify a better alignment to how you should invest, basically. And only you at the end of the day knows you best and only you can make that decision. Yep, 100%. A lot of people I talk to on the show about how to tactically understand and ultimately change your mindset is to just write a journal. Some people tell me to literally just carry around a tiny little journal with you. And in this example, whenever you come across anything related to investments, just write down your thought process, write down how you're approaching it, write down how you're reacting to it, write down how you feel about it. And then do that for a week and you'll have a much better understanding of the personality type, your risk tolerance level. And then do this for a month and you'll have a lot more self-knowledge. So Travis, is there anything else you want to mention about what we talked about today before we wrap up? I think that's a good wrap up. The blog is called What Type of Investor Are You? A quick guide to self-awareness or quick self-awareness guide, something like that. It's on the best ever community. It's on my bigger pockets. So check it out. Yep. What type of investor are you? A quick self-awareness guide. There you go. I don't know why I call these things, but check it out. (laughs) All right, Travis. Well, very enjoyable conversation. Thank you for joining us again. Best of listeners as always. Thank you for listening. Again, make sure you check out the blog post and we will be back next week. Until then, have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at com forward slash show. That's com forward slash show.